Welcome to Scoop with Steve Football. Happy Thursday, everyone. The earth is still spinning. Whatever it is that I call me showed up again to be conscious in this body and this experience. And that means I'm rolling out another episode of Scuba Steve Football. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Stephen Clinton. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm some crazy guy who studies entirely too much NFL film and uses that to inform a machine learning model that spits out NFL game projections and player statistics. And while I would not argue with anyone who says I'm unhinged, uh, I do have a relevant background. Uh, learned, learned to study film a decade or so ago when I did three years as a quality control assistant at Northwestern and one at Toledo, and also have my BA in economics and MS in predictive analytics from Northwestern. Uh, though I would discourage anyone from uh, putting too much stock in such uh, certificates. <laughs> on today's show, I am going to uh, jump into a couple of takeaways on the Baltimore Ravens. But before I do, I have a few announcements about what you can expect from Scuba Steve Football in 2023. Uh, right now, I am reviewing 2022 NFL game tape as I get my machine learning model set up ready for the upcoming season. Uh, the big picture plan is uh, NFL Game Pass willing uh, to get to uh, scheduled where I break down the tape of all 16 games uh, or however many games are played that week uh, in each NFL week uh, following the game. It takes me about two to two and a half hours to study a game from the perspective I currently watch from, so it's a significant time commitment, but it's a schedule I was able to maintain from uh, 2018 to 2020 before some hiccups with NFL Game Pass derailed things in 2021, and for whatever reason, uh, I dig it, so I'm looking forward to diving into it again, uh, given that Game Pass was back to awesome in 2022, and I feel like I can plan for the film to be uh, available this year, uh, knock on wood that right uh, so as I go, I'll be throwing out observations on everything from film study to fantasy football to gambling to roster construction, really everything NFL that interests me, which uh, is a lot. <laughs> I'll get plenty wrong, hopefully uh, less than I get right on the gambling front. But hey, at the very least, it will be obsessively researched. Uh, I'll leave it up to you whether the research is well done. So um, last cleanup item, I also uh, post articles on Substack and post this video as a podcast, which is currently available on Spotify. I'll have a website up sooner than later as a sort of central hub, so everything's easier. Fine. All right. So getting into uh, this series, um, I'm just, you know, posing kind of high level questions that strike me as I watch 2022 tape and think about uh, new players and new places, new coaches, all that sort of stuff. And on today's show, I want to talk about uh, whether the uh, Ravens passing game is about to take flight with uh, Lamar Jackson and Todd Monken. So, um, you know, I think that it goes without saying that Lamar Jackson is not the most uh, precise pocket passer in the world, right? You know, he's a uh, um, certainly not Tom Brady or even, you know, more, you know, traitsy uh, pocket passer like an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes uh, or, you know, any number of other guys. But at the same time, you know, when Jackson is dialed in on where he's going with the football, um, you see him deliver just dimes. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, he, he makes throws that, you know, the, the mid-tier quarterbacks in the NFL, like the, the Kurt Peasant of the world, like they just can't match him in terms of like, just flat out physically throwing the football. Now, in terms of, you know, getting to where he's throwing and being able to anticipate everything so that he, you know, has the footwork and the vision to, to make those throws, that that part sometimes, you know, are, I think that's been a work in progress, right? Um, If you go back to Jackson's rookie year to where he is now, it's, you know, a substantial improvement, right? So, um, you know, at, at the same time, you know, we all know that, you know, there are reasons that the Ravens passing game hasn't been working great um recently but you know 
while Lamar Jackson, as I say, is not the most precise passer in the world, I don't think he's really been the problem, at least the last few years. As I say, as a rookie, there was a lot of room for growth, but he you know, made substantial progress into year two when he won the MVP. And I think that really, since that MVP year, you can't necessarily see it in, you know, his box score statistics, but I think that Jackson is showing, you know, continued growth as a passer, just in terms of some of the subtle nuances of, of, of the game from the pocket, you know. So still room for improvement, but he's coming along, I think. So um, the thing that I think has really been holding the Ravens passing back, passing game back, though, the, the last couple of years is um, this, you know, offense that was, you know, run through Greg Roman was just, you know, after they do such a good job of using um, the the hesitation that uh, the, the quarterback run threat creates in the defense to uh, set up the run game and obviously put together that historic rushing attack uh, in Lamar Jackson's uh, MVT season when the Ravens had arguably the best run game like in NFL history, which is just absurd for the year that it was done. And, you know, I, I felt like, you know, Baltimore was super good at using the hesitation to build the run game, but I didn't think they did the same thing in the past. And I think that as you've seen more and more minds work with these types of quarterbacks in the NFL, you've seen more and more of the blueprint blueprint for doing this right and I think that the ultimate blueprint was presented by the Philadelphia Eagles this year with Jalen Hurts and when you think about what the Eagles did with Hurts it's not that you know I don't want to suggest that you know the Ravens never used any of these tactics when they had um you know over the past few years with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator but it never felt like the um foundation of the passing game was tied to to all those threats in the run game and when you flip over to philadelphia's film from the past year it, it felt that way all the time um that extra stress that is created on the defense whenever you know a jalen hurts or a lamar jackson is holding the ball at a mesh point right and you know we can talk about a mesh point in, in really two different ways like you, you're usually talking about a mesh point out of the shotgun with the quarterback and the running back you know waiting to hand the ball off and making that decision right and then you've got either a pass or a runoff of that and that's where you know Philadelphia did a beautiful job of you know not just using that mesh point to create opportunities in the run game but to create opportunities in the pass game to create one-on-ones and then you know of course they had the, the players to take advantage of which I'll get to in a minute but um you know we can also talk about the mesh point in terms of the under center game and if you're you know turning your back in play action for you know what either hard play at what I call hard play action which is you know straight back play action from under center turning and you know reading the field immediately and then you've got like boot under center play action or naked under center play action where the quarterback's getting out on the edge right any of those types of concepts you've got a second mesh point where Lamar Jackson is you know has his back to the defense and is is doing the ball pick right and in that moment you know there's just inherent hesitation in the defense it's not that the defenders are doing anything wrong it's that you legitimately don't know where the football is going and you know not knowing where the football is going you know people you know joke about linebackers going to fill holes against the run in in the Shanahan zone scheme well what are they supposed to do if they don't go to fill those holes and the ball is handed off then you know uh, you're gonna be running for eight yards a pop I mean you know and, and we've seen shoot in the, the Shanahan scheme I mean we've seen Raheem Mostert run for eight yards a pop against the Packers defense and you know they weren't even you know abandoning the run right so you know you're just in an inherent conflict on defense when the offense doesn't show you what they're going to do in terms of the run or the pass or they you know hide their hand for a little bit so you know, I, I think that with, you know, not only the Eagles, but the Bears are contributing ideas on how you do this with Justin Fields. I, you're going to see Stane Sykin go off on his own now. Obviously, Philadelphia's old O coordinator is now the head coach 
for the Indianapolis Colts. He's got Anthony Richardson out of Florida. So you're going to have, you know, it's going to be like when the Shanahan tree branched off. I'm as an aside, I'm really excited to listen to the athletic uh, breakdown of, of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and how they evolved that system. I haven't got into it yet, but I can't wait. But I, I think that we could be on the verge of seeing something similar with these option quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, like Jalen Hurts, like Anthony Richardson, like Justin Fields, because suddenly you're not going to have Greg Roman off by himself being the only one with a quarterback like this trying to develop these ideas. You're going to have, you know, a half dozen of these guys and you're going to have all these different teams putting new ideas on film. So I think that it's going to be a really, really exciting time for all of these quarterbacks. You know, it, honestly, not so much in, in what we see in the run game, because I think that's already been kind of developed, you know, quite far. But in, in terms of how you tie the pass game to the run game and how you can create even more conflict out of that. So, you know, I, th I think, it, um, you know getting specific to the Ravens here and get and, and talking about Todd Monken as the offensive coordinator um and his role in this you know the, the season I want to you know Todd Monken has um did two stints as an offensive coordinator in the NFL uh, before he went back to Georgia and had you know obviously a lot of success there with the Bulldogs recently um his uh yeah he was the OC for Freddie Kitchens um at Browns which you know I'll really want to get into that uh particularly but the year before that he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh for for you know what an offense that I remember very fondly uh no worries if you don't because the 2018 Bucks like they went five and 11 it's a very odd um offense but Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick uh split duties at quarterback that year and I mean it was just bombs away I it, you know averaging um you know eight yards an attempt as a, a an NFL quarterback is like that's a ridiculous number um on the high side um Jameis Winston was at seven nine and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick on the, this team hit nine six so you know just like they they were just going bombs away and you know with the receivers they had um I mean they had a, a much younger uh Deshaun Jackson who posted 19 yards of catch that year uh Mike Evans at the peak of his powers who you know Mike Evans went for over 1500 yards and over 17 and a half yards of catch that year and then you had Chris Godwin in his second year there OJ Howard went for over 16 and a half yards of catch uh and, and posted over 500 yards on that team I mean it was just ridiculous the way that that Tampa Bay Bucks uh offense attacked on the field and it, what was crazy about it is that their run game was just absurdly bad um you know looking back at these numbers their three leading rushers were Peyton Barber Jacquez Rogers and and Ronald Jones and what would have been Ronald Jones's rookie year and I mean Peyton Barber averaged 3.7 yards a carry Jacquez Rogers posted 3-2 and, and Ronald Jones I mean he didn't break two that year um he was at one nine so uh, you know obviously rebounded in a big way in his career but you know it, I'm pretty sure that this year's Ravens offense is, is going to be able to run the ball a little bit better than that with, with Lamar Jackson. And when, when you bring in a guy like Todd Monken, who, you know, th those numbers say it all in the way that that, I mean, I remember that Buccaneers team, they just threw sideline verticals like there was no tomorrow. And when you bring in a, an offensive coordinator who has that kind of bombs away mentality and you pair him with this, you know, quarterback centric run game and all the hesitation that's going to create. I mean, just from a schematic standpoint, it should be a ton of fun. Now, at the same time, you need players to pay that off on the outside, right? And that's the the other reason that I think that, you know, this Ravens passing attack could be ready to really take off on. 
you know, as mentioned, you know, I named, you know, some pretty impressive players on, on the, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. And, you know, I'm not sure that you could say that the, um, the, the receiving core um, here in Baltimore is quite to that level, but it's it's a heck of a lot closer than it was last year, right? And, you know, I, I like Devin DuVernay as a, as a player, but, you know, once once Rashad Bateman went down and, and Devin DuVernay is, is, you know, the top target, I mean, Devin DuVernay is a, is a solid slot receiver, I think, and uh, but he is certainly not a number one receiver uh, by any stretch of the imagination in the NFL. So, you know, no, no, no knock on what he is. I think he's going to be playing in the pros for a long time here. But, you know, there's there's only so many guys who fit that designation. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, when we start talking about the three um, receivers that they brought in, in Odell Beckham, uh, Junior Zay Flowers, and Nelson Aguilar, I want to talk about the first two first. Um, and I want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers with Rashad Bateman uh, before I jump over to Nelson Aguilar. Um, so I think that it, it's probably a little bit overly optimistic to assume that Odell Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman are both going to come back from, you know, some injury riddled uh, seasons here and just have perfect health and that Zay Flowers is going to be a first round hit, but I don't think that it's, you know, too crazy to think that two of those three things could happen. And, and if that's the case, um, and, you know, two of three of Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers are, are your top two receivers. And those guys are, you know, effective playmakers on the outside who can win one-on-one, which is, you know, quite important you know it's just as a quick aside you know when people talk about a, a legit number one receiver drawing double coverage and how that opens up the field for everyone else I think it's important to understand that it it opens up the field for everybody else after they beat the first guy because there's not NFL defenses that intentionally don't account for a player it's not as if you know you double jamar chase on one side and just nobody covers t higgins over on the other side you might double jamar chase over on one side we saw this with actually in the kansas city game a ton when they were frequently doubling jamar chase and then they only had one safety to split between tyler boyd and um and t higgins on the other side instead of having you know the two safety splitting the three players and you know that that definitely does open things up for t higgins um and in terms of the help that the player he's going against is getting all sorts of things in that regard but you know you still have to beat the defender in front of you one-on-one for this to matter at all right or for you know for a number one target to matter at all that might not matter so much in the context of the baltimore offense but just you know just getting back to the point that you need guys who can win one-on-one in the nfl and i think that whether it's beckham jr and flowers whether it's flowers and bateman you know any of the combinations i think that you've got guys who you know assuming they're playing at at the form we expect from them um they can definitely win one-on-one Nelson Aguilar, I thought, was a, a really nice addition as well, because Nelson Aguilar, um, in, in terms of health, he's, you know, been relatively reliable over the past few years here, at least from what I was glancing at. Now, I know he wasn't getting a ton of opportunities in New England, um, so it's not as if, you know, they were overstressing his body or anything like that. But, you know, obviously, Nelson Aguilar has been a little bit of a punchline the last two years just because, you know, he was he got that, you know, you know, outsized contract, I, I think it's fair to say. Uh, given what his production was, I think it's definitely fair to say, um, from, from the Patriots, uh, you know, two years ago during that, you know, weird spending free spree in uh, free agency where they had, you know, several questionable contracts on offense as, as well as Matthew Judon, um, has worked out for the Patriots. Um, so, you know, anyways, though, Nelson Aguilar is not making that much money for the Baltimore Ravens. He's making, you know, three, three, three million dollars a year. And I think at that price, um, given, you know, the fact that he's a competent NFL receiver, um, 
you know, I think that's a pretty good price and that's a player that you want on your 53. So I think that with uh, Devin DuVernay round, rounding out the room now as, as the fifth receiver all of a sudden, and, you know, you've got some different options who gained experience last year. Maybe it's James Proche as the sixth receiver if you've got somebody hurt or something. I mean, the, the room just looks totally different. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, you've got Mark Andrews, who's, you know, one of the NFL's premier receiving tight ends. And then, you know, Isaiah likely got a lot of opportunities in, in you know, especially when Andrews was injured last year. And I think that likely showed that he can be a pretty dynamic weapon in the NFL as well. And, you know, he definitely has some running ability as a, as a route runner, as a tight end, you know, he's not, you know, he's certainly not just like an inline blocker, you know, Isaiah likely is, is a playmaker at the tight end position. So, you know, you've got a, a number of guys there. I would also imagine that, you know, I, it always has struck me as odd, especially, you know, they would, you know, get the ball to Patrick Ricard, but, you know, the Ravens really did not, consistently use running backs in the passing game um over this whole stint i mean it, some of some of the times when i'd be putting together the machine learning numbers um like i'd be stunned at, at how few balls were going to the to the ravens running backs on an annual basis and you know that's just you know so, again strikes me as such an odd thing where there, there's base there's pretty easy or simple tactics that you can use when you've got a you know a quarterback that commands attention like a lamar jackson where to, you know, set up throwback screens, all, you know, all sorts of stuff in the screen game um, that could be beneficial with the running backs. And um, so, you know, I, I think that'll be interesting. I think that, you know, um, that I don't know, um, it'll be interesting to see how JK Dobbins is moving around um, this year. He's definitely, you know, I don't think he had quite, quite the top end juicy he did uh, a, a few years ago last year, coming back from the ACL, but that could be all the way back. And if he's got that, he is a demon on uh, screens or in the open field. And, you know, if not, Justice Hill definitely has some of those elements. So, you know, it's, it, it's a really group of interesting group of skill players. And I think that, you know, within the, the scheme that I expect uh, Todd Monken to install here, which, you know, it, I, I, you know, in, ter in terms of the exact tactics, it's hard to say, but I think from a high level, um, you know, strategy um, perspective, I, I would say that it'll be, you know, bash them with this run game behind a really good offensive line. Um, uh, oh, if you want to check out some thoughts on uh, Senator Tyler, Tyler Linderbaum, who is just phenomenal, I think it would be him and Creed Humphrey, uh, you know, dominating the AFC Pro Bowl voting for uh, some time to come now. I've got some thoughts on Tyler Linderbaum and a few clips of him over on my Substack article as well. But, you know, the Ravens have this, you know, really good offensive line. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with replacing Ben Powers, but, you know, the Ravens typically get that figured out. And, um, you know, with that power running attack and, and everything quarterback centric around, around Lamar Jackson, I think they'll be able to set up all sorts of one-on-ones on the outside and really just go to town. So I, I think that Lamar Jackson has as good a chance as anybody to win the MVP in the upcoming season. Um, I, I can't wait to see his week one film. I can't wait to see what this offense looks like. And, you know, I really hope we get to see him cut it loose as a passer this year, because I think that there's enough signs on his film from uh, last year, you know, just as a last thought, you know, in, in this latest binge of just watching him, um, you know, execute um, early in the season before he was injured. I thought that there was, you know, just more and more of him sitting in the pocket and letting uh, concepts unfold and just anticipating them. In, in particular, one concept that sticks out is, is a hitch dig concept where you've got two receivers to one side of the field. A lot of teams will stack these guys. You don't have to, but you got the inside receiver um, and runs, you know, like a four yard hitch route and he's kind of pulling up on his guy. And then you've got a dig route coming in behind. And if you get me on coverage against this, it's, you know, very difficult to um, 
defend that dig route because typically the the cornerback who's defending the dig route is going to have outside leverage on on the receiver so the receiver is breaking inside so you've got that half step to the inside so so it's a route that you know naturally has leverage if you've got any sort of manned up concept or you know it, I, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole but um you know jackson just executes the concept beautifully puts the ball on the money and um you know it's just, it's just the sort of play that i would have been really surprised to see him uh, make his rookie year. I, I, I mean, you just didn't see him do those things his rookie year. And yeah, I think it shows him coming along and becoming a more refined quarterback. I, I don't think this is a situation where he's not developing. Um, I, I think it's a situation where, you know, he would really benefit from being put in some more advantageous situations, but at the same time, he's coming along um, as a pocket passer as well. So I think that, you know, there's a very good chance that we haven't seen anything close to the, the best version of Lamar Jackson. And as you know, unbelievably fun as the first MVP season was. And I don't think that there's any Ravens fan who will ever forget that spin move and, and run into the open field that he had um, that really broke that MVP campaign open. I think that you could see a much more refined version of Lamar Jackson, who is using his legs a lot more selectively um, and, and using the threat of his legs more than the, um, than the actual, I, I can't think of the word, but um then actually putting his legs into use, if that makes sense. Like he, the threat of him running is going to stress the defense naturally. It's going to create hesitation in the defense and him taking advantage of that by either handing the ball off to somebody else or by throwing it to somebody. Uh, I think that you're just going to see more and more of that from Lamar Jackson. And I think it's going to be a ton of fun. So um, yeah, that's it for the Ravens today. As mentioned, posted some thoughts on uh, Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, I'll be watching uh, some Satan's tape tonight and then I'll be up and be, back with some thoughts on them tomorrow uh, assuming the uh, planet continues to spin and all that jazz so uh, as always uh thanks for tuning in to, to scooby c football if you can't tell love talking nfl football and if you enjoy listening so much the better